Welcome to episode two of Keep the Hotel Empty. I'm your host, Eric Paul. We are grateful to welcome in studio today the multi-talented, multi-dimensional spreader of love, Brandon Thrift. Today, Brandon discusses the nature of his creativity, the roles that being a creative has served in his life, and the common and sometimes conflicting nature of his many expressive outlets. Enjoy. All right, so we are back. Keep the hotel empty. And today we have kept the hotel empty to welcome in the man, the myth, the legend, a guy I know, Brandon Thrift. Welcome. Thank you for having me, man. How you doing today, man? Good to see you. I'm really good. Very great to see you, too. So, you know, I've got about a million things that I could talk to you about. And we yeah. know that. We've done that already off of camera. Let's do it on a camera. Uh, but I want to go back to the beginning for people that know your journey as an artist, as a visual artist, don't know you as a musician, don't know you as a, a multi-talented individual. What was it like for Brandon, and where are you at in life when you wake up one day and you say to yourself, you know what, creativity is is actually my fuel. This is my thing. How do you get there? How do you lead to that? Because I know every kid starts, I'm going to be an astronaut, uh, I'm going to find a dinosaur bone, I'm going to do something like that. But I've... I. I get the feeling that the creativity was with you from the gate. So what was it like when you, when you realized this is my thing and how'd you get there? Oh man. Um, it's definitely taken me years to get to that point of realization. <clears throat> I've always been rebellious by nature. I think that's middle child syndrome, Ah, you know? So that probably gives you some insight onto the creative aspects of my life. I've always been, I guess, trying to vo- like voice, my voice, like speak, speak what's inside. Um, I'm the only creative person in my family of five kids, you know, um, started at a really young age, just dabbling in like origami and, and sketching and drawing. And then like picked up my first pair of drumsticks when I was like eight years old. Just, I felt something, I felt something. I heard a voice say like, do this, like give this a shot, feel it, you know? And so I bought a pair of drumsticks and it started like hitting pillows and it just felt it felt right from the get-go, you know, and like listening to music and being inspired, being inspired so early on just kind of sparked that creativity. And I never really questioned it either. I was never like, oh, like I'm not good at, like I'm not good at math. Or I'm not good at like analytical approach to life. I'm just, I was just creating. There was never like a, why am I doing this? Right. Until a couple of years ago, you know, even with like the beginning of the spread love movement, like that truly just felt like a click. It was just a spark inside of me that was like, do this. But do this, this was a click that you were familiar with from having that be the, the initial spark that you actually fed as a child. So did you start, was, was music and art, you're making origami and banging on pillows at the same time? More or less, like in the same couple of years of my adolescence, like second, third, fourth grade, you know, really testing the waters and kind of just like listening to myself. I was, I've always been very intuitive. I've always been able to like, I know it sounds stupid, kind of stupid but like the prediction of the future like you know what's going to happen you feel the outcome before it happens like I've always had that really innate honest gut instinct with a lot of things so for me to just sit back and and listen and and not necessarily let it come to me but do the footwork to get to that point it just all seems not all of it really but most of that creative process seems like kind of set up for me, if that makes sense, I just have to go and do the footwork, do the do the grunt work to get to that next point, and then right. it, and then it just it's all connected. Looking back, you know, 
Yeah, right. Yeah, right. So you didn't grow up in Florida, right? Correct. So I was born in Virginia, and I was. We moved down there when I was like three from Virginia. So I mean, like, oh, okay. I still have some pretty, um, pretty intense memories from living in Virginia. Like being two years old, you know. I remember what the house looked like. I remember watching a sunrise through the window with my mom. You know, when I was like two years old. Very That's wild. Very vivid. You know. That's wild. A lot of people don't have memories that far back. It's true. Okay, so when you're banging on drumsticks and making origami, you're in Florida. Yes. So yeah. what part of, you know, the rest of your family wasn't creative. You were down here, you know, life brought you here. What, what is, what's going around you, going on around you that's letting you develop that or you think is giving you the spot to be that when the world around you isn't, isn't necessarily so much that your immediate family isn't so much that? Like I said, I think it was just an innate, like, something inside of me. Um, <clears throat> nothing necessarily triggered it. There were certain things that inspired me. Like, for example, my neighbor, I remember being in third grade, and my buddy burned me, like, a cassette tape of, like, some 41 and Blink, Blink-182 on the radio, and he nice. had this little boombox, and he, like, burned me a little cassette, and I bought a boombox. And I would listen to that. I would put it under my bed, and I would listen to it every night. And it was just... It, tri- it literally triggered something inside of me to be like, this feels great. It, I feel um, like a very intense feeling when I listen to this music. It makes me feel something. And I I guess I just constantly chased that and tried to discover it and, and figure out why it made me feel that way. Um, but from the get-go, there wasn't really any sort of... Um, like stepping stone or platform for me, like handed to me. It was just all just listening to myself and... Right. And your parents were real supportive of your coloring outside the lines, as it were? Fortunately, yes, because you know how it goes as a musician for the first couple of years of your life, especially with drums, dude. Like, there's a lot of complaining. And there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of the cops being called yeah. on your house, and there's a lot of neighbors complaining, and there's a lot of, like, you're not good. You don't start out good right. as a drummer, and it's it's loud. And thankfully, my dad and my mom were always just like, let him do his thing. Like, let him discover, you know, let him have his free time and free play and figure out who he is for him. Like, I was never pressured to do anything necessarily. I mean, there was always such a, a um, like, a nice bit, like, a nice period of, like, leeway nice. for all of us. I mean, we were all able to do whatever we wanted. Like, growing up, we did a lot of sports because my father was, like, heavily invested in baseball. So was our grandfather. Like, um, so we all dabbled in sports here and there in our in our childhood um but none of us really stayed with it which is i think is really funny um but we were all given that freedom to express to self-express and to feel and kind of self-discover and i don't know i just do you think that being involved in the sports or having that helped exemplify you got to be bad at something to get good at something did that did that help any of the the creative process translate I mean, absolutely, absolutely. And I'm a firm believer in that you learn the most from your mistakes. Right. You, you learn everything from your mistakes. And, I mean, it was always embarrassing. You know, you're playing soccer or you're playing baseball or something, and, and you like you get beamed or, <laughs> or, like, you miss the goal, and everyone, you just you feel like a freaking loser. Right. And you're like, all right, recollect, like, reassess, go back and figure out what you did wrong, um, and just be better next time. Right. Learn, learn from your mistakes. You know? Yeah, I find a lot of people get tripped up in those spots. It's 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 um I guess it w- it's been invaluable to you to develop that kind of callus to that earlier on. Yes, very the callus is very important. 
So you, the, the first thing that you started to do artistically publicly was drumming and be a musician, correct? Yeah, yeah. And how old were you when you started that? Okay. Well, how old were you when you first start jamming with the boys and we're, and we're thinking, man, we're taking this to a stage? Oh, dude, like probably middle school, right? Setting up in the living room, setting up outside, whatever, just having fun with it and just like covering songs, you know, covering old punk bands and stuff like that. Um, and then you do like the talent show at your school, right? Like in your middle school or whatever. And then you're like, all right, like I feel that thing. I feel, you know, when you're on stage, you know, oh, yeah. of course, you know, yes. like yeah. we've played together, man. Like we click, you see that thing and you get that spark. You get that, you get that little escape from reality every time you're on stage and like getting that. It's so addicting. Cause like getting that from the get go at such a young age and pushing past the nerves and pushing past the oh what if I what if I fuck up like what if I suck what if they hate me kind of thing and and learning to like process those emotions at such a young age I think really helped me develop like confidence later on in life um and just really helped me like get to the next stage more or less cuz the um I hate to I guess fearlessness for lack of a better word is an important component for you yes Fearlessness, but also hard-headedness. Like, I'm scared of shit every day when I wake up, you know? I'm always scared of something, scared of failure, scared of, like, just life, like, everyday life. It's so human to feel those feelings, but to have the knowledge and the, and the understanding that all of that stuff will dissipate if you just do the work. If you, right. if you go and you put your foot in front of the other and you just go and shut up, you know? Like, shut, like you're listening to your heart, you're listening to your head, and you're just like, stop. And right. you just go. You just go and do it. Not emotionless. But with confidence in the knowledge that everything will be okay, right? You know, and if it won't, then it's you'll learn from the mistake. Yeah, it's and not, that, it's simple, right? And I guess you know, being able to learn that earlier on in life when you have less of a, a way down is a valuable thing too. So, mm-hmm. but your music career, you guys started off. You you were able to garner pretty good attention. You didn't stay in the in the garage kicking around doing nothing for too long, right? I yeah, I mean, very true. Um, I played in so many bands after that point, like middle school, it was just, you know, playing around with friends and starting like cover bands and, and then we're like, let's start our own stuff, write our own stuff. And you know, that, that doesn't really last long. And then you get into high school and everything becomes a little more serious and you're like, all right, like I kind of want to do this. Let's, let's be a band. Let's do this. And you know, same thing, like people grow out of it. They don't, they aren't as serious as they want to be. And then after high school is like, I was like, all right, I'm not going to go to college. I'm not going to do any sort of like formal education whatsoever i'm gonna chase my dreams like i'm young i know i knew this in the moment too i knew i was like i'm 18 i got the world ahead of me i don't have anything holding me back let me just go for it you know and fresh out of high school i started playing with a bunch of i was in like 12 bands drumming and all the bands like just grinding like trying to trying to get the thing you know but unfortunately found found that i was wearing myself very thin very quickly you're right with all that stuff so I stepped back from a bunch of stuff and reassessed and really kind of decided where I wanted to put all my energy and where I wanted to put my passion, you know, and prioritized. And that took, that took years. I'm still doing that. I'm still having a hard time prioritizing like certain things where I should put all of my energy, where should I, where I should put all my passion and everything. But like in terms of uh, garnering success and like getting to the next, the next stage of my life musically, um, all of that helped all of the, all of the prioritization and everything helped me get to that point. Like being with Garrett and James and Alex and fiends, you know, now that started off as 
kind of just like the culmination of a bunch of lost kids. Because at the time, I was like 20, 21, 20, 20 years old. Right. 19, 20, started to play with them, got hit up. And I mean, like everybody was in such a bad place. You were lost, like doing drugs and, and just like. Well, that's a tumultuous time in life for everybody, even when you think you got your shit together. 100% agreed, 100% agreed. But we stayed true to like the creative process, like the creative path. We we're all very inspired by each other. Like at the time, like life sucks. Like, what am I doing? Who am I? Where am I going? You know, I'm, I'm fucked up all the time, but, but we all had that heart to, and the drive to like push towards something greater than ourselves, which was the music that we were writing. Cause we genuinely gave it our all, you know? Right. And just doing that year after year after year, you, you polish it, you get better, you learn what works, what doesn't work, what's more sincere, what's not sincere. You know, you learn all of those things by simply doing it. And it's taken years. It's taken eight years cause I'm 28 now, you know? Right. So when you're in these, you're coming out, you know, spreading yourself thin in the beginning, doing 12 different bands, finding out that there is actually a way to burn out doing this. Oh, yeah. Even at 19 and 20. Yeah. Those, you weren't all always in metal bands at that point. You've always been kind of diverse in your in your pursuits, right? Yes, absolutely. Always a firm believer of uh, jack of all trades, master of none, you know, like even doing independent studies throughout high school. I was doing reading jazz books, doing jazz studies, doing funk studies, like learning, like playing all these different covers, learning different styles. Just, I wanted to be well-versed, well-rounded because those are the people that get gigs. Right. You know? Um, and then playing in bands. It was like playing in a John Mayer cover band to playing in a th- five thrash metal bands to playing a death metal band to playing reggae to play, right. to playing ska punk. Like, it's just really all about the passion, man. Like, I don't look at it as like, I mean, I'm like certainly more passionate about playing music that fuels my fire, like this, like fiends and right. everything that's maybe a little more aggressive, maybe a little, on, a little more on the heavy side. That's what I'm more passionate about. But like, I'm going off on a tangent now. No, no, but I get it because you know, and this, this was sort of the nature of my question. I, I, I know that those types of things are definitely. Uh, they definitely resonate with a certain party or personality more so than others, but so does uh, just having the skill set and executing the job. That part, mm-hmm. you know, resonates with you as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but how how do you? Is that really what it is? If you can go from being on stage with a, a metal band or a heavy band of any nature, whatever it is to going to playing something lighter musically or even what we'll get to some of the the subject matter of your artwork, do you find that there's like different parts of you that has to take a backseat to make that happen? Or it's just that the certain parts of your personality, they just, they know when it's their go time. You know what I mean? Because you can't really, I, I, I feel like there has to be some mutually exclusive part of the Venn diagram of spread love and fiends and you know things like that you know they do they obviously have their spot where they overlap but there has to be some mutually exclusive territory between all of the endeavors that you have how does that how does that feel to you in real time when you're doing it and and, you know banging on a drum while somebody's screaming verse painting a heart yeah yeah that's a good question um i guess to backtrack a little bit to your initial question there's no sacrifice of emotion in any of this. Like it's all, it all stems from the same passionate point, you know, and right. there's, there's certain, there's certain things that stem off, you know, like this one is more fueled with like, um, 
expressing love, like ex- just just giving, like a giving, like giving the love. And this one's more fueled than like just straight up ca- like catharsis, catharsism. Catharsis, yeah, catharsis. I don't know. I don't know what the verb is for that. The coffee's hitting a, right a now. Catharsis dude. action and action. There we go. Catharsis. So catharsism. So, I don't know. Like so, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like absolutely right about that. Like um, <clears throat> playing the drums is such a cathartic thing for me. It's so, it's all, all, all like almost primal in a sense that like there's not really like a verbal voice or anything. It's just it's purely movement based off of not even like technical application, but it's movement based off of like, I guess primal emotion. Instinct. In, in, yeah, in more or less in, an instinctual approach. But you're, but you're practicing and all of the experience you had is what got you to the point that you can experience your performances like that, yeah? Straight up. So you do the, you, like I was saying before, you do the footwork, you do the technical approach and you learn all the songs and you learn all the parts and you write all the parts and you do all that stuff, but it becomes second nature at a point to where you don't even think about it. It's just a, it's a muscle memory. It's like a, it's um, like the result of all of that technical fuel, all of the analytical fuel, I guess, if you will, just like transformed into raw energy. It's right. su- it's such a cool thing to experience, you know. Um, go ahead. So, so I was just going to say, so once you get there, then when you can get to that point, there's no roadblock. You don't have to think to yourself, hey, I was painting hearts yesterday. Now we're full throttle going because the the part of the Venn diagram of those things that overlap is just enough to overtake whatever juxtaposition there would be between those two for you personally. Yeah, I mean, more or less at the end of the day, it's just it's just my form of expression, which I guess embodies all of that, you know, because right. the, the art that I'm doing, the art that I started out doing was, again, cathartic movement. It was I was throwing paint and I was expelling the energy that I had in, in my in my body, in this thing, in my head, outward, outward, simply through forms of movement you know right and i feel like that resonates with a lot of people because it's a relatable thing and a lot of people don't necessarily have that not lack of filter but they don't have the the freedom of that expression right and they see that and they feel the energy in the paintings you know but so so is that sort of is that kind of the commonality the 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 physicality of of being able to be involved with drumming and then the the backgrounds of your painting is that kind of how that started you needed to be able to move the the actual your actual physical movements were a part of translating this art yes for a very very long time for the beginning of the art stages because this all happened when covid hit and you know there was no ability to play music there was no ability to play drums or anything for me so it was like if i can't drum like i still need to move right and then the art the art thing the art transition was just an idea just the idea and I think that was some sort of subconscious telling me to utilize the same physical properties of drumming the the expression you know the physical expression and just do art and just do the same thing you're doing with your with your drums and move it into this alternative form of creative expression right but it's not just drums for you you also have the super super project yeah yeah and i know you haven't done much with that for a while right Mm -hmm. correct but still that that's a whole different animal than fiends can you can you can you help me understand that because i feel like you know this is all part of that the man of many hats you can translate it all but was super super uh, a part for for you to be able to kind of have more of your I hate to say it but more of your happy vibe yeah and then does this bridge its way into what becomes spread love because they kind of happen in a timeline one 
precedes the other. Yeah. That's a good outside perspective looking in. Um, I think that, I think that the timeline matches up because at the time, let's say I was what, like 24, 25, like the height of self-discovery. Who am I? What am I doing? And the, the, it translated through a lot of the music I was listening to. I was very obsessed with like the surf rock indie, like the surf indie pop rock kind of stuff at the time. And I started to kind of settle, settle from like my youthful aggression, like be mad at the world, be, yeah. p- be pissed off all the time, like write crazy, insane music. And then like I started going to the beach a lot as like a therapeutic environment for me to kind of self-discover and, and reflect and look inwards. And <clears throat> consequently started listening to that kind of music because it matches the vibes, right? Right. And it just chills me out. It was really good. Well, um, it enhances it. it surely, yes. Yeah, so the good word. It definitely does enhance the experience. Um, and so I thought, like, all of the consumption of that inspired me to kind of uh, just give it my own, my own taste. Express through that. I felt, I felt the urge to express through that type of medium. And it felt good. It feels, I mean, it feels kind of cheesy and like maybe soft or like lovey-dovey to write stuff like that. But that's who I am. Like I'm an emotional dude, you know? Right. Emotional, very sensitive person. Right. So that like that resonated with me on like a very positive way. Um, yeah. And it seems to be that I know you haven't done much promotion for it or anything like that, but it seems to be that there's a core group of people out there that, that, gathered it resonated with them too i think for those exact reasons mm-hmm. but but for me as the listener i was a little bit taken aback because i'm so used to you i was used to you in the metal band context and then when i heard that in all of the instrumentation on super super is you right correct yeah i recorded and wrote everything yeah so that's so cool so that kind of that kind of helps bridge the gap a little bit between mm-hmm. the angsty music and what becomes spread love yeah. Okay. So, so I know you mentioned it was sort of the part of the pandemic, the beginning of the pandemic, and I know you were recording some drum videos and things. But, but what is it like? Take me to another day when you wake up and you say to yourself, you know what, this painting thing is is going to get way more of my energy. Oh, dude, it was never really a thought in my head for the first like two years I was doing it. I just like I like I said, man, I I felt as if I received a call to do that thing. And I never questioned it. I just kept doing it. I kept creating. And, you know, I think that was a result of giving and then receiving the energy back. Because, I mean, like, look at look at right. him talking about, you know, finding a painting and and now they're, mar- like now they're married. And it's, like, one of the most staple photos in the family now. Like, that speaks volumes. And, like, receiving that back, hearing that back from something that I gave is... It's just this this crazy cycle of like the give it not give and take but give and receive the fuel right it's the fuel so how long how long after you started that reactor did it start kicking back to you because I know in the beginning you were doing art drops around here right yeah and then that was not too long after that was when you took yourself cross country doing it too correct almost immediately so I started painting March 2020 okay no idea what I was doing and then the first piece I dropped was like. The beginning of May or late April, May, the first like spread love piece. And that garnered some attention. And I thought, dang, like this feels good to do good. And where did you leave that? That was here in Sarasota? That was the first piece in Sarasota downtown. Yeah. Okay. That was, I had an old bass drum that was sitting in my garage and I I painted it and I wrote spread love on the drum head and I got a chain and a lock and I locked it to the unconditional surrender statue. Ah, that was the first thing you did? That was the very first like public art piece that I did. And I know it's a little rebellious again by nature. And it felt good to like do a rebellious act, but in a positive manner, you know, especially with such a lightning rod of a 
piece here that spreads love to some and completely aggravates others. Uh, dude, it's always political. You know that. <laughs> yeah, right. But so, so that was a good way to kind of diffuse that. Okay, so that's where you start. That was the very first piece, and that was the beginning of May. And then I find myself June 1st renting a Jeep. I have a couple hundred pieces that I've made. This is a month later, dude. Like, if you... Looking back, doing it day to day, it felt like I had my own little lifetime in each day because I was constantly exploring the possibilities of, of inspiring the general public. And I found that the more I did, the more that came back to me, the more that I could do. And it just kept exponentially growing. Okay, and so that was a result of that first kick drum piece getting some attention? A hundred percent, because I started seeing posts on Facebook the next day, and it was like, thank you, anonymous artists, like this, this, this. I got like 10 posts, 10 pictures on the first day. I was like, dude. And you weren't taking credit for it at that point. Not not even until I left on my trip in June. So I was doing it anonymously. And then everyone was like, everyone I was talking to about it, they're like, dude, you got to, like, you got to put your name on it. They, people want to know right. who, who's doing this. Right. So, yeah. Okay. So then the beginning of June, you've made, you made a, a shit ton of pieces in that first month, right? You went real gung-ho with it? I went ballistic, bro. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was digging through trash on trash night and like going around and just finding, literally I was painting everything I could get my hands on, like old desks, old furniture I would rip apart, like old canvases, anything in the trash. I was just dumpster diving for my supplies. Um, and yeah, I went, I went pretty ballistic on it. And then June 1st, I packed up the car and I did the same, did the same, uh, like utilize the same concept that I was doing to create art on the road. Mm-hmm. And I would just go from town to town, no plan. Zero plan. I just I had a couple couple bucks in my savings account from that point, and I was just like, I'm gonna go until I run out of money. Right. You know. And you made it all the way west coast and back. Yeah. I do. Oh yeah, I made it. Uh, I think it was like a three week road trip, just zigzagging throughout, heading towards the west coast, and I hit probably like the majority of the lower half of the United States, a couple like, and then Utah, Colorado. Arizona, Mexico, and then I took California all the way from San Diego all the way up PCH. Oh, nice. Until Portland. And that was an insane time. Yeah, tell me about that because that was pandemic time, right? Dude, that was, it was scary. It was terrifying, you know? I'm talking to my buddy that lives out in LA and he's out there in the, like Malibu, was it Malibu where they were doing all the riots? I mean, there were riots everywhere, but he was out there doing graffiti and like, sending me videos of like people throwing Molotov cocktails, like cops are running around, people spray painting cop cars, like lighting out fireworks, everybody's screaming, looting, like breaking windows and stealing shit. And he's just in the middle of it. Like, bro, this is what you're getting into when you come to LA. Right. And I was like, all right, let's go. Yeah. One life. And I was going to say, you're probably not going to get another chance to see that. That's the thing. That's the thing I realized too, when I was driving out there, bro, like I stopped in some pretty major cities. Like the first, the first one that hit me was, um, like Texas, mm-hmm. I stopped in Dallas, mm-hmm. and then I went to like Deep Ellum, and all the windows were boarded up. It was like I think there was a small riot or something that had just previously happened. So it was like people were driving the wrong way on the road. The stoplights were blinking. People were just walking around like broken glass everywhere, plywood on all the buildings, like graffiti everywhere. And I'm just like, dude, what is happening? Well, you know. And then the next major, major. Um, like the next major occurrence, the next major experience um, from that same kind of from the same kind of like rioting world, the looting world, the whole George Floyd riots, like was uh, Denver, like downtown Denver, mm-hmm. 
and that was a madhouse, bro. It was terrifying. You know, what's that Back to the Future movie where like Biff is in the hotel? And, like, two. Yeah, that's, in yeah, two. that's yeah. that's literally what it is, bro. Like. You hit alternate 1985. Yes, trash everywhere. <laughs> People are just screaming, lighting off fireworks, shooting their guns in the air. Like public, you know, government monuments have just been defaced. Like fuck pigs, like fuck 12, die cops, die. Like all of this crazy stuff, man. And I'm just like driving around, sitting in the traffic, just like getting out, walking around, putting out these pieces that say spread love. And I'm like, what the actual fuck is happening? Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Are you feeling like a like you're some kind of Mad Max at this point? A million percent. It was terrifying. And then what? And the freeways in between. There's like no traffic, right? Oh yeah, yeah. There's not a lot going on. Yeah, in, that in had to be strange. Yeah, the congregation of all the, uh, I guess, like the turmoil and the angst and everything, like all the all the all the people that needed to express themselves in that kind of way, found each other and they banded together and they were doing all the riots and they were doing all the protesting and all that stuff and it. This is a very emotional time. Right. Yeah, so that was a, a weird thing to, I shouldn't say a weird thing, but a, 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 for lack of a better term, a courageous thing to take upon yourself and go throw yourself in the middle of that and try to spread love. Dude, I literally thought I was going to die. What, what does that feel like? You feel like you're swimming upstream? Do you feel like you're in a movie and nobody sees you? you I mean, what, what, what must that be like? You know, you're on a completely yeah. different wave from everything around you. Yeah, dude, um, I was journaling every day on that on that trip too and really kind of taking every day as like a new like I said earlier like a new life like a new gift every day and with that perspective it was give it your give it your damn all every day and right. and be true to your truth and doing yeah in doing that man being the what it felt like the one person trying to do anything good i felt like there was a magnifying glass on me i felt like people were like who the f- who is this dude like yeah. what is he doing yeah that had what to are be you doing feeling. dude yeah but i was just like put my blinders on i was like dude i know deep down i'm doing the right thing and i'm i'm being honest to my truth you know right so so how many how many pieces do you think that you dropped in that three-week trip i don't really remember man probably upwards of like a couple hundred to a thousand. It was like, because that's all I was doing, man. I was not sleeping at all. I was just driving and making art. Like I was sleeping like three hours a night. Staying in the car, sleeping in your car. Sleeping in the car, like maybe getting like a $30 hotel room, you know right. what I'm saying? Like just trying to maximize my experience. Like sleeping, I'm dead, whatever, you know? Yeah, right. And so I was just going out painting, collecting every day, multiple times, dropping, just constantly recycling, constantly recycling, constantly putting out. Um, yeah, a lot of friggin' pieces, man. So that Nomad, Mad Max type thing, that had to be fuel for it, too, in a different way than seeing it come back when people are saying, hey, you know, we are in love and you inspired our love or whatever. You had, you know, what kind of inspiration, what did it feel like, what did you take from it when you got back here? Like, oh, shit, what did I just see? What am I doing? What have I done? Because it didn't all trickle back to you in real time necessarily when you were on the road, but it started to relatively quickly, right? Correct. So before before I went on the road trip, I, I made an Instagram and I wrote my Instagram on the back. Like, because if anybody were to find a piece, they could look on the back and connect. Connect. And that was your art by Brandon Thrift? Yes, sir. Instagram is yes. still thing? Okay. Exactly. So I started doing that on the trip. And like you said, it doesn't happen in real time necessarily. But like, it, dude, up to like two years, people were still finding pieces on the road. And they would message me and send me a picture and be like, yo, just found this in Colorado. Just found this in that of that small town, California. Like, thank you. Oh, that's awesome. But it's, it did start to happen. Like the first week after I got back, I got pieces and people were like, yo, like I see you, you know? 
So then when does it start snowballing here and you start getting into galleries here and things like that? How does how does it go from, you know, I'm I'm innately inspired, I got creativity that I know how to use, I got guts I'm going to go share with the world, I'm going to go do my thing, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then now you're coming back here and it's like, wait a minute, now I can be in a gallery, now I can, how, do, how does this take the turn a little bit into... You know, now I'm now I'm an artist, not just a guy dropping shit around. Oh, dude, I've never really felt like an artist. Um, well, you, but from an outsider, you know, you you have to accept the tag. Understood, understood, <laughs> understood. So that was a connection that was made early on, even before I went on the road. Um, so Trey at State of the Arts Gallery. Okay. So I dropped a piece on Siesta Key on one of the beach accesses that she walks every morning, not knowing this at the time, right? Right. And she had posted on her Instagram, and she said, thank you for the anonymous artist for, for this dropping this piece. This is beautiful or something like that. And there's a big, beautiful blue sky in the background, and she's just got the perfect vision for it. And right. somebody had tagged me in her post, and I said, thank you so much for sharing. Really appreciate it. And she said, come to the gallery when you get back. And I was like, Okay, and this was, you know, mid-June or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I immediately got back into town and started to kind of connect with the people that had connected with me, just meeting with them and hearing them and and receiving, like, their perception of what I was doing because that helped fuel my next step and helped, like, me curate what I was going to do and what was important and what was working and what wasn't working, the assessment. And so anyways, I got back into town and went to Trey, went to go see Trey, and she was over the moon, you know, we, right. we hit it off from the get-go, and she was just initially so supportive. She's like, please let me know how I can help. I see what you're doing. Like, if I can give you supplies from the gallery, if I can help out in any sort of way. And I was like, thank you. Like, that's incredible. That's huge, you know, because it's such a prestigious gallery downtown. It's, right. It's the top dog. I mean, yeah. top dog, like, fine art gallery. And then one day she's like, let's put one of your pieces in the gallery. And it was... Like an old tabletop, bro. Like an old little desk that still had like rusty screws in it. And I wrote, I wrote spread love on it. She threw it up on the wall. In the same hour she hung it up, somebody came in and bought it. Nice. And so she was like, okay, let's go. Yeah. And she just kept giving me opportunities to succeed. And she kept, she kept like fueling my fire with that. You know, that's such a, that's such that's a, like, a hell of a platform. A hell of a platform and such an honor and, and privilege and understanding that, like, maybe I am doing something. Right. You know? Yeah, that's what I'm curious about. When that hits you. It still hits me all the time. I mean, there's things here and there. Like, I I do get a lot of, like, messages and a lot of love back, um, which is absolutely incredible. And it's always, like, a testament to what I'm doing is true and honest and received in such a positive light. But I'll always get, like, the one or two glimmers of, like, oh, wow. Like, I really just, I did something. And it's usually with, like, a little kid. Like, I'll be teaching a class or, like, I'll be painting a mural or something. And it'll be just, like, a little kid come by and just be like, wow. Or yeah, like, talk to me a little bit about some of the other opportunities yeah. this had opened up for you that, you know, drumming in a metal band would not have led you to. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Dude, I mean... It's just the people, just really opening my eyes to the broad spectrum that is humanity, you know, because everybody has a story right? and everybody has something to say and everybody wants to be heard and seen and felt. And that's given me. And you see that in the kids. You're helping the kids identify that and express that. This. Yes. Yes. But we'll tack on to that in a little bit because there's a lot I want to talk to in regards of like helping the future and helping kids. But gotcha. Um. 
was I going to say? Sorry. I know. <laughs> the coffee's hitting. Let's see. Um, but, uh, yeah, so offering offering different perspectives that, like, a metal band wouldn't necessarily allow me to have or allow me to experience. Because that's such a finite world. Right. You know, as a metalhead, it's like you have your community. And a lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people are also aren't willing to understand that. And so there's kind of a separation, Right. Unfortunately, but you look at something like this, you look at love, you look at wanting to give and receive love. Every single human being needs it and want, and wants to give and receive it. So it's opened up, a, uh, opened up a lot of opportunity for me to connect with the world and connect with people that I normally wouldn't in my, in my, in my day to day or in like the metal scene or the music scene. Right. And that's allowed me to become friend, best friends with Trey at the galley. You know, I mean, she's, she, we're, there's such an age gap between us. It's it's remarkable that we're just best friends and we click on the same wavelength, you know. Because if I don't know, it just wouldn't have happened otherwise. Yeah, well, it's 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 uh, you know everybody comes into everybody's life for a reason. I guess I I believe that. I do too. I do too. I do too. So you know, it gets you to this point where you can connect with people you wouldn't otherwise have the chance, and you're you're obviously learning things from these experiences. What what is t- take me to what that's like? I mean, you know, uh, full disclosure for for a bit of context, I know you from being in bands with you, producing metal records with you, you know that sort of thing. I I of course know the gentle, loving nature of your personality. Despite all of that, I'm wondering what it's like when you get to be that guy with a group of kids, because uh, teaching them to paint and allowing them to express in ways that you could when you were a kid. Given mm-hmm. that your parents allowed you to, you know, find your own boundaries and all that. What is that? That that's hard for me to picture. What is that like for you? How rewarding is that? What What are the surprises there for you? It just feels good, man. And I'm constantly inspired by like like children in particular. The way they express is it's raw, it's unbridled, it, and it's the truest form of expression because there's no judgment, there's no self doubt. There's just it's pure confidence. It's pure pure expression from them you know that's amazing it's beautiful it's beautiful to see and you can learn so much from from their just truth you know because you've gotten quite a few experiences doing that working with youth now yes yes yeah and it's really good to see it's really fun to see and it's also nice to like get feedback it's nice to hear like a little kid say like oh like i made this or like their parents will show me something that their kid drew like just from seeing a piece of art that i made and like that is just so um, that's just such a testament to what I'm, it's like an honest, uh, what is the word I'm trying to think of? Like, you know, when somebody gives you like a, like an, like honest feedback or like an honest, uh, review right of like a restaurant or something it's just so true right like it's like it's just tr- it's proof in the pudding that what i'm doing is working like, you can take it at face value exactly exactly yeah that's very cool that's super cool yeah so man you got it going on on all fronts with the art but you I just agree. got back from a tour yeah yes and the tour was with a heavier band right with a heavier band with a positive message so it kind of ties into like the whole everything does kind of happen for a reason sort of thing right so yeah, tell me about this tour a little bit. Tell okay. me about this band. So really good story. Um, the gentleman we just recorded Fiends, the new Fiends record with Austin Coop mm-hmm. had messaged me a couple weeks before the tour, like two weeks before the tour. And he's like, Hey dude, what's like, what's up? Do you want a tour with us? And I was like, what, what's up? Like what's going on? And he sent me everything. And he was like, you're the first, like you're the guy. He's like, you're the dude that no question, like you're the drummer. And hearing that is such a testament to like, 
what I'm doing is is working. Right. Because here's here's a guy, Austin Coop, that's recorded hundreds of bands and has played in bands and played shows and knows such a freaking laundry list of of in, talented individuals and for him to just be like oh brandon like that is so freaking cool it's um i feel so honored you know and so i said yeah let's go like let's do it i'm here let's let's rock it out man and started learning the set list and getting ready for tour and not having met the other guys in the band ever <laughs> let alone let alone getting a chance to jam with them before was a wild trip so the first flight got delayed for the bass player and then we hit, the first show was in Alabama so i just practiced with Austin we ran through the set list a couple times nailed it you know got ready got everything show ready and then drove up to the first show with the singer and we met in the van on the way up you know and, and he's like he's like you ready to do this bro like <laughs> Nice, nice to meet you. Yeah. Not having a practice with him. We just rocked it out the first show without the bass player. And then the second show, same thing. The bass player came into, into town and we linked up and he's like, let's go, man. Like I got uh, He's like, I'm going to have to suss you out. Cause like we've never played before. And then the, the second show we all played as a band together was like our first real rehearsal, which was crazy. And we just hit it off from the get go. It was nice. A really good bond. Yeah. Nice. But, um, so that was, a, that was with a band called prison. Mm-hmm. And then, that was their first head, like headlining tour, so I felt very honored to be a part of that. That's really cool. How many dates did you do? It was a solid like three weeks. Yeah, I was gonna say it was like three. Weeks. I think three weeks. Yeah, That's nothing, cool. nothing too crazy, but definitely a, enough time to learn a lot about myself. Yeah, yeah, and then flex the fact that you can be a bit of a chameleon and learn these things quick. Yes. Yeah, and that was the same thing when you came into Summer Survivors. You know, I knew you as somebody who could get the job done and could learn the material, and I knew you as somebody who wouldn't be an asshole in the group. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah. So that, that's a that's a good thing that other people see in you. You can be introduced to a band and not have to worry that you're going to screw up. I mean, the you know how road trips can be. Dude, that's that's another thing that I was kind of stressing, you know, not having met the guys, like, worried, like, what if they suck? What if they think I suck? You know, not just as, like, a musician, but, like, as a person. Because I mean, even when you're friends, it's a delicate line to be packed in the van. Very much so. And they were all very understanding. And I was just very, like, straight-laced from the get-go. And then the second show, we met the bass player, and he's just like, bro— let loose, like be yourself. And I was like, all right, so cool. It was really so cool. did you play to a click on that? Were you playing in ears or were you just playing straight rock and roll? Uh, dude, that was a tricky one too. Cause he had the show, he had the show lined up for the backtracks, like as, um, just the click. And okay. I wasn't com- Cause I mean, like I got two weeks to learn the, the whole set list, you know, with songs I was completely unfamiliar with. So right. I, was, I was still learning them as I was playing them. Right. More or less. Um, so I was just playing to the whole song with a click track in my ear. Oh, nice. Which was crazy. The nice. entire like the entire track was in my ear, which is a different experience for me because I'm used to just like the back tracks, right, yeah. right, or just the click even, or just the click, yeah. Okay, so th- what what do you think about this now? The this fork in the road between playing with clicks and back tracks and and you know the 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 Ronnie Radkeys of the world getting hated on and what where do you, where do you fall on this one? I've done both and I, I personally don't have a horse in the race, but as a drummer it's way more different for you cuz it's either you're on the click or you're driving the band, one of the two. I think it depends on the genre for sure because something like metal is strictly militant, you know. It's very much so a polished machine and you want to stay a polished machine. And so I do believe that you have to kind of 
robotize yourself in the sense that like you need to be militant about the click. You got to be on time. You got to be about as good as you are on the record. Um, so you think you feel that way about the backtracks too? Um, to a degree, to a degree. I mean, there's always stuff that could be implemented as far as like production goes for sure. But like, you don't need all your vocals in there. You don't need the whole guitar track you know, in the yeah, back, because in the now track. you kind of see the smattering of it all. Guys from just a couple keyboard parts or whatever yeah. to the full-on rhythm guitar parts are in there, bro. It's for sure a balance, but like, there's a band called The Beths mm-hmm. from uh, New Zealand, mm-hmm. and I saw them the other a uh, couple of weeks before I went on tour. And dude, one of the very few bands that have ever truly blown my mind seeing them live, because not playing to a click, just all incredible musicians, and being able to play. Their music better than what it sounds like on the record live is an insane thing to experience. Insane thing to experience. And I believe all of that is left up to the musicality of it. It's not left up to necessarily the production side where it's like we need need to sound good and balanced in the PA and have all the backtracks lined up so it sounds perfect, like technically to the record. But like they just knocked it out of the park being musicians and being a great musician, playing their music live. And it just felt so much more natural. Right, yeah. and now it seems to be it's a little more noticeable because so many bands are playing to the clicks and with the tracks. Yeah, but do you find that you can keep some of your humanity playing to the click when you do that, or you are just straight up trying to punch? You're just trying to bury the clicks. No, no, never really trying to bury the clicks. Always be on time for sure. But there's certain things like as a drummer, you can do certain fills or like. If there's a slowdown part, like really emphasize that and then get back on track when the click comes in. There's like certain bits of breathing room and room for room for movement and room to express a little bit more. It's just a balance. You gotta find it. So how do you draw this 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 makes me think, how do you draw the parallel between your creative processes? Because in drumming you can have the you're you're kind of afforded the luxury to decide how rigid you wanna be mm-hmm. or not be. You know what I mean? Regardless of whether or not you have the click. Mm-hmm. But when you're painting, you're pretty much, <laughs> you, there is no such thing as the click. There is no rigid framework. How, how, how do you, what commonality do you have between your processes and how do you see, how, how does one help the other or do they? I guess as far as like performing for, drum go, for drumming goes, it's, you are pretty regimented in, in the fact that you need to, rely on what's already been created, you know? But, like, with creating art, I rely a lot on feeling and intuition. And let's say I'm doing a commission for somebody. I would like to go meet them, go check out their living space, or go check out, get a coffee and and shoot the shit and walk around town and just garner information from their personality and, and throw it in the blender that is, like, the intuition blender and create something based off of how I feel about them and how I feel about their energy. And the same thing goes with music. More or less, there's not a lot of like breathing room in terms of like composing a song, but it's the same kind of thing. Like I was talking to James about it yesterday for more of the simple, like the simplistic stuff that we've written recently. It's like, he's like, I love how you did this here and did this here. And for me, it's not necessarily a second thought. It's just a product of like my intuitive approach to creating whether that be music or whether that be art. So there is a, some sort of, there is some sort of parallel in the, in the sense that like I'm listening to myself with the music and with the art, but with the art, it's so much more just that 
there's no, I mean, certainly there's a, there's an objective and a technical approach that you can utilize. But like for me, I just, I create from here. So it is, you find it's more a matter of the experiences and practices you can put into place, fueling your intuition so you don't have to think about it too much? More or less. But even from the get-go, there was never like, a, oh, this could be better, this could be better. This, You know, there was never really any pressure up until lately that I put on myself to create something that was like objectively perfect. or technical. With your visual art or you're talking about your creation in general? Visual art. Okay. Yeah. Just for like the first year and a half, two years, and then I was like, "Oh shit!" Like I could tighten that up, you know, or like I can make that line a little crispier because like maybe it calls for it. And then there's certain things that like maybe call for a little, a little more freeform, abstract expression. It's just a, it's a because you've branched out quite a lot from just the spread love, right? Oh yeah, oh big time, yeah big time. So having Trey, having Trey's gallery as a platform to kind of express myself through more like larger creations, more like fine art. Right, minimalist approach, or, or more like larger abstract pieces. I've I've kind of dabbled into the um, the idea that there it, there is not necessarily like a perfection, but there is a more attractive way to create your art if you're honest with it. You know, so I've certainly kind of like focused in on that on that perspective. You're talking more about refining technique wise. In certain aspects, yes. Because in the beginning, you were just, I mean, literally just, for lack of a better term, you were just spraying and praying with it with whatever this intuition cocktail you'd been able to manifest your entire life allowed you to do, right? Straight up. So now it's more like we're past banging on pillows and now we're talking about (laughs) how we're going to compose a song. Literally, like I'm tuning my drums now, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, right, right, right. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, bro. Yeah, it's definitely definitely a journey for sure. <clears throat> so, what what's your favorite piece you've done to this point? You did that piece. You painted that money. What was that all about? What what what's the what's the thing that's been the most exciting oh, for you to do that you that you think is going to be you want to do more of in the next round? So, I've had this this idea from the get go that I'm not going to have any expectations with my art whatsoever. I'm going to stick to the perspective that it's going to be a new day every single day. Um, so everything, everything is always like, on I, like when I nail a piece, when I make something that I'm like, oh fuck, like that came out, that felt good to right. create. I'm getting emotional about this piece because it's, it's resonating with me. That's, that's a testament of success in my, in my eyes, you know, and that doesn't happen all the time. You know, there's a lot of pieces, there'll be canvases I'll be working on, bro, that I'll be like, make something, I hate it, cover it up, make something, cover it up. And I'm like 15 layers deep on this canvas. And I'm like, well. That's what this canvas embodies. That's what this thing is going to be. Um, so it's really hard to say. Like every piece of art is more or less pretty individualized from the perspective of like the emotional approach. Okay. So not having any real technical training as a fine artist, mm-hmm. how do you? Um, and, and you know you you're ending up 15 layers deep, which even people who have training as a fine artist do this is just the process we all delete tracks and paint over shit that happens part of it 
knowing that you don't have this background and you've totally just manifested this one on your own, what keeps you from having a crisis of faith like, man, <laughs> I don't know. You know the people that have fucking imposter syndrome. Oh, dude, yeah. Which I think is total bullshit as an aside, but we okay. all have those thoughts. <laughs> okay. We all get to those points. I figure, you know, my personal opinion is we all who we are. You know, if you're faking it, you should know first. Yes, <laughs> but, for sure. But how do, you, how do you get past those points when you're on layer 13 where you're like, you know, damn it, I'm just, I, I'm not a fraud. I'm doing 14. <laughs> Um, I chalk it up to not being bastardized by an initial reference point, you know, and that could be said about anything. I feel what do you mean? Like, so I was never, I was never set up. There's no standard that I had to follow. Like I never went to art school. I never researched any of like the technical things to further my development as like, gotcha. a, as like a, whatever, you know, like a technically approached artist or whatever. I, I never had a base to stand on. There was no platform and I never subjected myself to that because I know for me, that just it will bastardize my perspective on creating. You know, I have, I've given myself the platform to start. I've given myself the knowledge. The simply through simply through doing it, I've learned so much of like technical approach and what's right, what's what's not right or wrong, but like what's more, I guess, attractive in the eyes of the consumer or yada yada yada. But I mean, like. That's more kind of in the weave of crafting a song that's approachable, you know oh, what I mean, dude. instead of just banging out yes. the heart. Okay, okay. Yes, like there are, okay, so for music, exactly. It's like growing up and having studied and knowing what, what is more accessible to the consumer or more attractive or whatever. Like I've always been kind of plagued with the idea that like I need to please the listener. Like not like I'm overplaying I I can't stand when people overplay. Like, be true to the soul of the tune. Be true to the artistic resonance of what the song is. You know, stop trying to be this the guy. Stop trying to be like the guy. Like, because everyone nowadays is doing the thing where they're like eight gajillion notes in five seconds. Like, okay, cool. Where's the heart and soul, man? You know? So, so is that sort of it? You don't. You are. You're able to alleviate yourself of the crisis of faith because you don't have that expectation that you have to be the guy. You don't have to play eight thousand notes. That that part just doesn't even come up in your rolodex of thought. Exactly. Exactly. It's never. It's never going to be like this. Um, I don't even know how do I put this. Like, there's always going to be a ceiling, I guess, on creativity, and it's never been. For me, it's never been like push, push that, push like all the notes, make the craziest piece of art. It's about finding the balance between that and nothingness. It's about finding something in the middle, in the center of like the emotion of it for me. So the... uh the perfection of it, for lack of a better term, or where it sits objectively in skill set and things, this just doesn't play. This doesn't play into the process. Perfect doesn't exist. Right. It doesn't exist. And I, I think that I find that with a lot of people who can, who can, I hate to say create fearlessly, but create without getting in their own way of wondering if it's good or not along the way, or wondering or not if. And, and the reason why I want to ask this is because I think it benefits people to hear that. You know that crisis of faith when it comes up can be dealt with, but but not only that, but the crisis of faith can also be avoided entirely if you can have some sanctity in whatever I do is good. Yes, but you also again with the balancing, it's like you can get to that point, but you also don't want to be lazy about it, right? You know, 
Yeah, well, you still got to have like that critical eye, but that's Always. what you're talking about developing over time now and having different influences around you and things. You can't, we can't do the same beats on the pills we're doing on the record now. Exactly. I mean, there's always, definitely always push yourself, explore and push yourself and get, get out of your own comfortable situation, get out of the complacent mindset of whatever it is, like always learn. Always. So how have you been doing that? Because I have seen your artwork, you know, you've progressed into these murals, right? Yeah. And the subject matter of the murals is? Whatever the, whatever the consumer wants, whatever the, the client is requesting. And but that's it's typically not a spread love piece. Exactly. So that'll be a challenge for me. You know, in and of itself to progress and kind of learn a different approach, a different style. Because, like, all the murals I do are, in my eyes, they're always going to be, like, a step up. Like, always going to be a level up in terms of, like, stylistic approach, technical approach. Like, because I'm usually doing it with spray paint or, like, different mediums or whatever. Like, I'm always learning in that aspect. I'm always growing in that aspect. That's just part of, like, the natural side of things, the natural progression I guess how are you how are you feeling that natural progression or you're just letting it happen by saying I'll take all comers I don't care if I don't necessarily know how to do this I'm gonna figure it out and do it more okay more or less yes but I've been hit up a couple times for like more photorealistic stuff and like I just know that's out of my wheelhouse right so I unfortunately will will refer somebody that's more technically proficient in that in that style which is a bummer but I know I'll get to that point eventually that's just there's leaps and bounds that shouldn't be leapt and bounded, you know? Right. Well, what's your wheelhouse now? What are you enjoying doing most right now? What have you done lately? I like graffiti style stuff. I've always, I've always enjoyed like the street art aspect of, of it. Like things that make you question maybe how it got there or like what they thought when they were doing it. I've still always revert back to like the raw freeform expression of like what I feel, you know? Um, which isn't necessarily the commissioned pieces. Not always, not always, you know? the commission pieces are somewhere in between somewhere in between somewhere that's like my homework if you will like doing a big commission piece that like isn't necessarily my forte or necessarily something that i want to do but i'll always use it as a chance to grow and develop my skills right you know like i just painted a unicorn in a girl's bathroom in a dance studio and like it's not something i would normally want to do but like i freaking learned how to paint a unicorn right with a brush you know like a so, so the answer to the question, how you're pushing yourself, is not being afraid to take a challenge or going a little bit to the unknown. Absolutely, yeah. And that's kind of been a little bit of the mantra of this from Go, huh? Be scared. Feel the fear, but continue to do so. Okay, so yeah, that's, a, that's one of the quotes that I actually like. It says, uh, feel the fear, but don't be afraid. Love it. I love that. Yeah. How, that, that you're putting into practice. Yeah. Yeah, that is that. I love that. It's that's how we grow, dude. That's how we grow as people. Yeah, but a lot of us get scared, of and a course. lot and a lot of us that don't get scared get scared sometimes. And you need to. I like to. I like to ask people. Uh, you know, I was just recently speaking to an entrepreneur who owns a bunch of barber shops, and he's had to extend himself along the ways. And I'm always curious how people do that because I think everyone is able. We just don't always do. So I, I like to ask, you know, how you get yourself past the point where you're afraid and just do it. It's a hard thing to do, man. It's a hard thing to kind of t- say, to, to put into words. You just, right. you don't necessarily cut off the emotion. You just, you just go. You literally just Nike swoosh, do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't even know how to put it into words. So are you real strict with yourself and your routines and your disciplines to create, or you just literally do it when you feel like it? Are you painting every day? Well, so I've built this platform for myself to 
to have so much free time in my life that I can either choose to be as busy as I want to be, or I can choose to create for myself and create and express. Um, I'm always, I'm constantly doing something. I'm constantly painting. If I'm not having a, if I'm not doing a commission or a mural or anything that like I want to put in a gallery, I want to like, um, whatever. I have a specific goal. Yeah, exactly. I'll be in my backyard on the graffiti wall that I built and I'll just be like learning. I'll be painting something that I know will challenge me or, you know what I mean? Like I'm always doing something to push myself. So what's the next step? I know you don't have any expectations. Yeah. Do you have a YouTube channel? No, I don't have anything, man. I just have my Instagram. There's a, there's a lot more I could be doing, but yeah, it's not. Well, well, part of it is the the anonymity that you have behind it all. The pieces speak for themselves. Yeah. But I know a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of artists online that really show everything they do. I know. I'm curious how, how tempting that is for you to do, or this is just not I just not I, I'm, I'm not passionate about that. Like, I just want it to be, look, there's, there's such a gap between the raw, authentic nature of, like, the word of mouth, seeing a piece on the street. Like, he's had that memory for years now. You know what I'm saying? And right. he, it, it was a personable, a pers- like, a personalized um, experience for him and for me, too. But, like, when you see something online, it's like, look at my art, look at my art, look at my art. It's like, oh, that's cool. And then you forget about it immediately. Right. You know? So how does this trip you out? You know your pieces are on eBay. What? Yeah. What? There's someone trying to hawk one of your pieces on eBay for 1500 bucks. Are you serious? Dead serious. I need to see this. Yeah. I'll buy it. You should. <laughs> you should just to mess with the person. That's crazy. And ship it to you. Dang. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah but like, I, was one of, I think it was one of the ones that you did on a mirror that just says love, love, love. Wow. I think it was one. I think it was one of those. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's another thing about art. It's such a weird game because you never know what's going to happen. And, no. and, and who's going to become collectors and then it becomes this provenance. And yeah, art, the fine art world is a very strange world. A fickle game for sure. A fickle game. Yeah. So now your stuff's proliferating out there. Someone's trying to. Let's go. It. All right. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Does that trip you out at all? A little bit. Like, I'm just like, dude, if you don't want it, just give it back. <laughs> well, no, more that you've. I, I wouldn't necessarily think that. I would think more that someone's now trying to interject you into the art market, oh, into that kind oh, of art oh. market. That's how that goes. You know what I mean? Yeah. You buy a piece for whatever X dollars and you charge way more for it and there's its there's its uh, significance. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not tripping. like $1,500 is wild for an art piece or anything, but yeah. you know what I mean? It's the concept of it for sure. Yeah, right. Which, I mean, it's cool. I think that's a, a compliment, right? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Hell yeah. It's like, that's crazy. It just blew my mind. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, I don't know. But like referring back to like the word of mouth feet on the street the humanistic approach to everything I, so, I think it's so much more important so like fiends mm-hmm. we're getting ready to release like our record and we're going to do some record release shows in september and everyone's like we should do this online promotional campaign and i was like dude i'm going to print out ten thousand flyers and i'm going to go to these towns a month two weeks before and i'm going to talk to every single person that i see and invite them personally and learn about them and engage with them about music. That just calls for such a, such a deeper connection, you know? What's your motivation to do that? I just have all this energy, bro. Like, I want the world to be a beautiful place. Yeah. I want us to all be happy. 
Yeah, I used to do that too. I used to promote and go hand out CDs. We had little three song samplers. Yes. And it would be amazing how the reaction I'd get from people that's like, yeah, I can have this. Yes. Like, it's like, yes, I'm here a person to talk to you. Yes. It calls for such a stronger connection. And it's just like, I think it's because I feel a lot, like I'm a very sensitive human being and I just want people, I want other people to feel the feelings that life can give you. The good and the bad, you know? Inspiring. It, yeah, I mean... So what, you guys going to do like a handful of shows around Florida, or what's the score with that? Well, I don't know when you're putting this out, because I really shouldn't be saying anything right now, but right. Um, it's going to be the beginning of September, okay. so it's going to be like three Florida dates, September 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, and then like a South Carolina, Atlanta date. Just like really quick album release run. Right, right, right. Yep, just yep. To, honestly, just to play a couple of shows, because we haven't played in so long. Yeah. But... Dude, it could be. Uh, I can't wait to hear you guys play live. Heck yeah, man! I'm really digging the new material. Thanks, dude. How how much fun was that to write? How much fun was it getting everybody back together? Because Fiends had a little hiatus, and now you're back together. It makes me really happy. It makes yeah. me really happy because we, like I've said earlier, man, like we've all grown so so much in such a short amount of time as individuals, but also as a unit. You know, we're constantly inspiring ourselves. We're constantly digging deeper into like this autonomous approach to life and figuring out who we are and what we want from this life. It's very like late twenties of us, you know. Yeah, but well, but it's cool. Like we're all we're all healthy. We're all sober. Like musicianship is on point, big time. It's we're locked in, bro. Yeah, like we we see the goal and we're gonna get that damn goal. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I heard that right away. And writing, thank you. That's thank you. Um, but like writing the record was really good because everything was so intentional. All the drum parts were so intentional. All of the all the guitar riffs, like all the vocal, all the lyrics, and everything, were just so like a hive mind collective approach to writing. Because I know you, you know, I know you know how it goes when somebody will like write a riff and they're dead set on keeping it that riff. Married to it, dude. Can't do it, dude. That's so hard. But like, there's such a lenience with us as a group and us as like a collective. We're all just like the same. It's crazy because like Fiends is like the musician, right? And we're just like all little sects of it, you know. And it grew into this over quite a period of time. A long freaking time. And we'll get into that more next week when we got for everybody sure. down here. For, for sure, sure, for sure. But um, it was good. It just felt good to be more intentional about everything and really sit back and figure out what we wanted for parts and, and um, yeah, the intention behind it. I imagine this has been the first time you've been able to make a record like this with the mental latitude that the art has afforded you. Yeah, just honest, genuine and honest. You know, you're not going to to serve a drink. You're not doing some <sighs> fucked up bar shift. Dude, yeah. How much has that changed you? Not having to juggle the the life that was, for Literally. lack of a better term, <laughs> eating all your fucking time. Dude, eating my time, eating my mental sanctity. Like, yeah. That was it's a that's a hard world. Respect to everybody that is in the service industry and is grinding and staying on on top of their mental game as well, because that's a, that's a freaking beast. No, I have seen it. You know, we've seen it being part of the entertainment industry and playing. I mean, I know it's a, a rugged thing. So when you make this transition, because when you first started painting pre pandemic, well, I guess pre pandemic you were working, then pandemic what shut down your day job anyways, yeah, yeah. And there was like that whole month transition. That's when I wrote Super Super was like. I was exonerated from the bar scene, right? Yeah, and like, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And it was like, all right, I have, a, I have a. Well, like, what's going to, what's going to happen tomorrow? Like, we're going to all die, whatever. And so, like that, that whole, that whole month. <laughs> better than being at the bar. Better than being at the bar. Let's go. <laughs> I can wake up whenever I want. So, yeah. that whole month, bro, was just like, 
I mean, a huge self-discovery time where I was like digging deep and I was listening to David Goggins and like really pushing myself as far as I could physically, as far as I could mentally. Like I got really back into running and like powerlifting at the time. Yeah. Aggressively to the point where I was like, I tore my, like, like there's a tendon attached from the, like the Achilles Mm -hmm. to the, the bone on your heel. It's a very thin, like really, or ligament rather, really thin ligament. And I tore it and my freaking heel swelled up to the size of like a freaking grape. And I, dude, I did the same thing. I said, David Goggins, bro, fuck it. Let's let's go until I can't move. And I'd be running with like, I had like rocks in my backpack. I have like 50 pounds of rocks in my backpack. I'd have my ankle weights on and shit. And I'd just be running up these hills and just going until like, I literally stopped moving. And then, Cause I like, I just dug so deep in to this like reflective state of one life. I'm going to push myself. So that's the bit of, uh, I'm, I'm, I like David Goggins quite a bit myself. So that's the bit of him that resonates with you. You, you know, the, were you thinking like the accountability mirror thing? You have to say to yourself, this is who I am. This is where I'm at. And if I want more, I actually have to do these things. I had I did the post-it thing that he did. Yeah. And I had a big bathroom mirror that's, you know, like the size of this freaking curtain covered in post-its. I couldn't see myself. That, I, had like, I had like 400 post-its on there, bro. That's oh, funny. I got the same thing. I love it. I think that was, I started doing it on my guitar wall. I got like one yeah. or two up yeah. and they started getting crowded in. And now I got this big ass board with like 200 of them on it. It's not a mirror anymore, you no. know? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, shout out David Goggins. Got us both. He's the, uh, he's he's got the thing, man. Yeah, it's been a hu- he's been a huge inspiration for me too. Heck yeah, you know, just yeah. just to keep pushing. Partly how I ended up here doing this. Yeah, it, it, that refers back to like the um, just the the mindset of like literally just do it, dude. Like take the emotion out of it for the one second that it takes to make the decision, and then just keep going. Would you say that was how the first spread love piece was made? Pushing that one second. I think that was a that was a result maybe bro I think that was a result of like just digging deep and listening to myself and reflecting and sitting back and really really meditating on it and listening you know listening to the universe and what the universe was telling me right and the symbolism of having done it on the drum you couldn't play too as well exactly exactly that's something I just thought about now you know the whole physical approach to it right so. where is that drum now lord only knows who knows bro who knows who knows where any of this stuff is? Well, the drum would be a significant one. I know. If anybody out there got the drum. Yeah, throw it on eBay. Yeah. <laughs> At least 1500 <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, man. So what's uh, next is Fiend Shows? Fiend, Fiend Shows for sure. Um, focusing on um, doing more art, just trying to stay steady with mural work and progressing my brand, if you will, and just staying true to the art, man. So the focus with the art is going to be mural work and more fine art pieces, or are you still doing the scavenger pieces because you love it? I lo- I love scavenger pieces. I love like all of the gorilla approach to art. You know the street the street side of it. I'm just going to be dabbling in all of it and kind of keeping a focus on whatever's at hand. You know, like next week I'll have a thing like a residency at Art Ovation Hotel mm-hmm. on this upcoming Monday. So I still have to create. What's the date of that? It's going to be the 25th. Okay, so this will probably be out after that. That's fine. But um, so that's coming up that I'm going to be working on, and then a couple commissions here and there. Like everything, everything just comes. You know, if you do the work, if you do all the stuff to get to the next point, the universe will give you another opportunity. 
you'll get another thing, you'll get another thing. Not saying that you have to sit back and, and just wait for it to come because I don't believe that that's going to happen. Yeah, right, same. You have to do the thing. You, it's it's physically impossible for you not to be, re- for the energy you output not to be reciprocated in some form. It's like going to the gym, bro. Right. You're going to lift the weights. You're going to get the muscles. It's just, it's the it's the give and receive thing. It's the balance of life. Part of it. Well, I, I I was listening to one person. I can't even remember who it was, Jocko mm. or Chris Williams or somebody. And they said to him, you know, you go to the gym every day, yeah. And he said, yeah, I go to the gym every day. Mm. And he's like, well, some days when you go to the gym, aren't you just going through the motions? Yeah. And he said, yeah, some days I am just going through the motions, and that's better than not doing it. Is that the sentiment you're conveying? Yes, exactly. Like go to the gym. You don't want to go to the gym? Go ride the damn bike for 30 minutes. Right. It's better than nothing. Right. Yeah. Damn, man. Well, no. I'm excited on all fronts. Thanks, man. So when you go out and do these Fiend shows, when you do this little run, and then eventually you're going to have to do more shows, are you going to go out and grill a drop everywhere you go? Are you going to spread love alongside it, or you stay focused power and do one and then the other? So one thing I realized on this tour with Prison that I did is that there's going to be a lot of opportunity to kind of mesh my worlds. Yeah, right. That's, that's what I'm wondering. And that's the freaking goal. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. That's what I was wondering. It's so attainable. It's right around the corner. That's so cool. You're the perfect person to do it. Thanks, dude. You're the fucking perfect person to do it. (laughs) The universe thought so too, so that's why I'm doing it. That's what I was gonna say, man. You know, I'm not I'm not typically calling type guy, but if there is a calling, you got yours and and I'm I'm super fucking impressed to see and super stoked for you, man. I really appreciate you coming down to talk to me. I know this isn't going to be the only time we do this because we got plenty to talk about. For sure. And uh, we'll see you next week with the boys and fiends. Let's go. Onward and upward, brother. Thanks, dude. Love you. Love you too, Eric. Peace. <laughs>